0: amen. It's awesome to see you. Hell is hot. Heaven is not. Choose heaven. Jesus' name. Sorry. Let's go home. <laughs> no, stay here. It's cooler here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, it wasn't my sermon. Uh, it's good to be here, I love being here. This is a second home to me, you guys are like family, so it's good to see a bunch of you that I haven't seen in a while. Hey, a bunch of years ago, I was just sitting there thinking, doing the math in my head, you know how the older you get, it just seems like the other day. But in my head, I was like, that was 20 years ago. Right, that ever happened to you? Yeah. So this store is 20 years ago. Uh, Polly and I were pasturing down the street, down in Ording. We planted a church in 99, uh, it's still there, it's doing great. Better, it's better now that we're gone. Uh, (laughs) uh, yay. But I can tell you this, we planted the church. I was, I got selected to be one of the high school football assistant coaches, which was awesome. A bunch of people from the community that were part, uh, they were teaching administrative staff, all started coming to our church, it was amazing. And we had a bunch of people from the school. It was the coolest thing ever. Nothing, Nothing cooler than reaching your community, right? Well, this one day I was sitting down in the gym Uh, after, it was during basketball season at this point, sitting down, getting ready to watch my freshman daughter play a basketball game. Now listen, you need to know this. Freshman girls basketball is not about wins and losses. Technically, it's about getting experience and getting some reps. That's what they told me. So I'm sitting in there getting ready to watch my freshman daughter play freshman basketball, three o'clock in the afternoon, her basketball game. About that time, the head basketball coach comes up to me and he said, hey, dude, listen, here's the deal. The basketball coach called in sick. Can you take it for him? And I was like, how hard could it be? Freshman girls, come on, right? So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it, right? Now here you gotta know this. I wrestled in junior high, high school. I have never played a meaningful basketball game in my life, (laughs) never. So I said yes, because I was like, freshman girls basketball game, it's all about the experience, it's not about wins and losses. So the game tip off starts. We're sitting there, they're like, the girls are looking at me because they know my daughter, and they're like, hey, that's Mr. Powers, that's Bailey's dad. And so I'm just sitting there being Bailey's dad, and I realize like, it's now sniffing halftime, and it's 23 to two, them. We're behind by 21 points. And I soon realized that that adage that someone told me about wins and losses, out the window, <laughs> because we're gonna win. Now listen, you gotta know this, every coach that's ever lived, every coach that's ever lived has a halftime speech in them. They got a halftime speech. And listen, this I'm not proud of this, I'm not proud but I had a halftime speech. I had no time to prepare, but I had a halftime speech. Pulled the girls aside and because we were in the gym and they didn't go to a locker room, it was freshman girls basketball and these 14 year old girls were, by the way, these girls were the nicest girls ever. They were the kindest girls ever. The basketball would go dribbling down the court from the other team, our girls would step aside. (laughs) Let the other guys go and then they would shoot and they would score. Our girls would would run down the court with him and say, your hair looks so cute. I love your dress. All the things. Our our girls were the nicest girls ever. I realized in my halftime speech, I had to do something. Every coach that's ever preached or talked or whatever it was during halftime has something to say. And I had something to say. I said, girls, listen up, get in here. So they huddled up next to me and I said, okay, here's the deal. Um, We're not playing basketball anymore. From now on, we got about two quarters left. Here's what we're gonna do. All we're gonna do, we're not playing basketball anymore. New rules. They said, what's that, Mr. Powers? I said, now we are playing keep away. That's all we're gonna play is keep away. You have the ball, dribble, 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 pass it to your friend, dribble, 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 pass it to your friend. And somehow, if one of you is near the bottom of the hoop, Chuck it up there, (laughs) just chuck it up there. And they're like, okay. And then I said, hey, 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 before we go in for the second half, I got one more thing to say. They're like, what's that? They leaned in a little closer. I said, girls, you were all given a gift. They said, we like gifts. (laughs) And I said, "I I got a gift for you. You were all given a gift. And they're like, we love gifts. I said, okay, here's the deal. Here's the gift, your gift right now. Each of you have been given five fouls. Each of you have five fouls. You can't take them home. You can't share them with your friends. You can't use them later on. My challenge to you is to spin them all in this next 18 minutes or whatever it was. Okay, okay, get in here. now. put their hand in and we're like, ready? Cardinals or whatever it was, right? So we get there. Those girls, fire in their eyes. I've never seen, they played loose, they had all kinds of fun. They got to the point where they were looking like crazed women looking at this thing, right? There was something about these girls that was just absolutely different. I saw for the first time something that they probably had never seen. They saw purpose. They saw something in their, their game that they could play together. They saw something about what they were doing in that few moments that caused them to realize that it was more than just a few minutes in a game. But there was something about that that made them feel like they could come alive and be loose and free. I wanna talk to you this evening about the prodigal son. I wanna talk to you about the prodigal son. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Luke chapter 15 These girls came to their senses and realized that they could actually play this game. Lord help us tonight as we spend a few minutes in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 15 you've been hearing all summer long about parables that have gone on in the Bible. Uh, It was funny, they asked me uh, which parable I'd like to speak on, and so I immediately said the prodigal son, and then I was toying with the idea of trying something different, and I talked to Pastor Daniel, and he said, hey, if you don't pick the prodigal son, Pastor Ray's gonna pick it next week, and I said, nope, I'm taking it. (laughs) Make him work harder. He texted me this afternoon, he's like, don't preach better than me, buddy. (laughs) That's awesome. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. To illustrate this point a little further, Jesus told them, by the way, I'm using the New Living Translation. Yeah, I don't know if any of you realize that. You know why I use the New Living Translation? It's written at sixth grade level. Come on, you know what the average American reads at? Less than that. I use, the, I use the New Living to preach from because I get it. How many times you read your Bible and you're like, no idea what I just read, right? So hang on. To illustrate this further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger one told his father, I want my share of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. His father agreed to divide the wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed his belongings, took a trip to a distant land. There he wasted his money on wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became hungry, so hungry, that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home the hired men have food enough to spare, but here I'm dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to being called your son. Please take me in as your hired hand. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. His son said said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe out of the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the fat calf hood that we've been fattening in a pen. We must celebrate with a feast, for a son of mine was dead, but now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, everyone say meanwhile. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? "'Your brother's back,' he was told, "'and your father has killed the calf "'that we were fattening, preparing for, a, as a, "'and has prepared a great feast. "'We're celebrating because of his safe return. "'The older brother was angry, wouldn't go in. "'His father came out and begged him, but he replied, "'All these years I've worked hard for you "'and never once refused the single thing "'you told me to do. "'And in all that time, "'you never gave me even one young goat "'as a feast with my friends.'" Yet when the son of yours, not my brother, but when the son of yours comes back after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said, look, dear son, you and I are very close and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Love this story. There's three main characters in this story. There's this father, this loving, benevolent father who cares for his two sons. As parables go, the father was basically a picture of God and God's love and grace and mercy. The other two in the story were these two brothers, the two sons. There was an older brother. Older brother was... He basically represented the religious, follow the rules. I'm gonna do the things that I gotta do. And once I do the things I'm supposed to do obediently, God, you owe me. Aren't you glad you've never done that? Where you've, you know, you tithed or you, you, you did what was supposed to happen. You heard the Lord whisper to you, ask for forgiveness. You did that. You did the thing. Then, then you just said to yourself, I've done the right things, God. Now you owe me. And the doctor said, you have cancer. And you said, God, how dare you? I don't know if that's ever happened to you where your plan didn't work the way you thought it was gonna work. But you had this thing with God. It's this unspoken deal. God, I'll do your things if you do your thing. And there was a younger brother. Younger brother, you know, he's, the funny thing about the younger brother is that he's basically you and me. He's carefree, ready to go, wants his stuff, and he wants it now. He wants all of God's blessings on all his terms. Quite frankly, what we don't know about this Middle Eastern mindset was if there were two sons in a family, the the estate was never divided in half. The first son actually got twice what the second son would have gotten. Can you imagine, even at the end of the story when the older brother gets all fussy, Knowing full well that he already gets twice as much as his younger brother, the hardness of a heart that would cause someone to actually be like that. I just wonder today, if there's any of you in here that feel like an older brother, maybe your heart's gotten a little bit cynical, a little bit hard, a little bit, um, I don't know, mistrusting of the way God used to be when you were younger. Your felt bored Jesus ain't working like you used to. If you don't know what that is, you're too old, young. How I many you know what the felt board Jesus is? Just a couple of you, come on. I wanna spend just the rest of our time on one verse. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, hired men have food, enough to spare, and I'm dying out here of hunger. The word senses in the Greek is heioutou, heioutou, which means to look introspective. When he came to his senses, he looked introspectively. In other words, it was a wake-up call. When you come to your senses, you have this moment of like, oh, 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 wow, that's a big wake-up call. Coming to your senses is like this, what am I doing? It's a cold bucket of ice water to the face moment. Coming to your senses is when you realize like, wow, that was so crazy. How in the world could I have believed such craziness? Coming to your senses is when you you find yourself believing what everybody's been selling, you've been buying it and taking it in and calling it your own and you're realizing finally that it wasn't really what it said it was. Coming to your senses is finally snapping out of the stupor. Let me tell you what we need in our culture today. We need to come to your senses moment. Come on, you watch the same TV I watch, you open your phone and scroll, and the same stuff I do, we need to come to our senses, don't we? There needs to be that moment when we come to our senses and have that moment where we're like, where have I been? Maybe you don't realize that right now, but I'll tell you, the fact that you don't realize it might mean that you need to come to your senses. Come on, we gotta get to that place, come on now, look at you, we gotta come to our senses. I think we need to snap out of it. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier before church, and I realized like the church has changed. Not just this church, the church in general. It's changed in the world today. It's become the most cynical I've ever seen the church today. It's it's the most divided I've ever seen the church today. I can stand up in this pulpit, I can stand up in our pulpit, I can stand up in any pulpit and preach, knowing that at any given moment I am one sentence away from absolutely dividing the room. It is the weirdest thing. We are so touchy. We are so, so weird. <laughs> we're so, we're also like a powder keg, just, just trying to flick the thing, ready, just waiting for it to just explode because Lance, you could say one thing and divide a room and everybody else would just start chucking rocks at me or whatever. Come on. When do we come to the point where we come to our senses and realize, hey, 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 we're playing the wrong game. And we're playing with all the wrong rules. I love the fact that this younger brother came to his senses. He realized that he had been he'd been duped. That somewhere in his his mind he thought going to his daddy and saying, Daddy, I want my inheritance. Really, what that was saying to his father back then was this: Dad, I would be better off if you were dead. I want all my stuff because I'd be so much better if you were dead. You know that every one of us has to give an account for how we've lived our lives, right? Listen, if you walk away with one thing today, I want you to walk away with this. You have to give an account for you. You realize that? You don't give an account for what your parents did. You don't have to give an account for what the politicians did. You don't have to give an account for what your spouse did. You're going to give an account for what you did. Just you. Amen. <laughs> it should terrify us a little bit. It should terrify us a little bit. The fear of the Lord should wake up in us and we should say like, wait a sec, i got to give an account. you got to give an account for everything. Everything you say, do. We all have to stand before Jesus. He's going to say, seriously? I told Lance to go there in 2022, talk to you and tell you to snap out of it. Come on. I'm just telling you, come to our senses moment is on the horizon. We've got to come to our senses because if you're not and you're hanging on to the thing that you are so right about, we have to give an account before that before heaven. Jesus is gonna say one day, hey, 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 just before you walk in, I just want you to know, let's talk about that thing that you are so sprung on, the thing that you are willing to divide the church for the thing that you were willing to say, no, 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 I'm so right and you're so wrong that I don't even wanna share a church with you thing. Yeah, that all those, all those Facebook posts or tweets or whatever you got, yep, all those too. I should make us all get a little, little stomach-tied, right? We get to give an account for all that stuff. By the way, you know what the Bible says about heaven, right? It says that some people think there's gonna be no tears in heaven, not true. There's actually gonna be tears in heaven. You know that? They're the ones that Jesus wipes away. What are those from? Maybe some tears of regret. Maybe some tears of, ah, why did I get so hung up on that thing when Jesus told me to love my neighbor? In fact, you know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and with all your strength. Listen to this. And it says, and equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but, but they watch CNN. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they watch Fox. Yeah, but they watch MSNBC. Yeah but, yeah, but, yeah, but we get crazy, don't we? Just saying stuff like that causes people to go like, Wait, ah! you can't say that in church. Because we get super jumpy about it. What about loving our neighbors? Hmm. Amazing to me. You know, I I watch this story, and some of us, there's lots going on here in this story. The story of a dad, we don't know about the mom, we don't know about his wife, we don't know if she passed away or what it is, but he seems like a dad who's just a single dad talking to his sons. When you think about that, I can tell you this about being a, a parent, my wife and I did it together, I can't imagine doing it alone. It's a lonely job, it's a hard job, parenting people, parenting a couple of young, strong boys in this journey must have been difficult. Maybe that's you today, and maybe you need your own halftime speech. <laughs> maybe you need one, somebody to come in there and, and get you out of it, snap out of it moment. Man, if that's you, I'm praying for you. You might have that wayward son. You might have that wayward daughter. You might have that stay home son or stay home daughter who's just hard and grumpy, just grumpy. And that person, you might think, I wish you would actually run away. Just kidding. (laughs) I saw the thought bubble over there. Let me tell you this. Parenting's Hard. A couple of self-righteous kids. Let me tell you a couple of things that uh, brought this young man to his senses. He came to his senses. First thing that sen- brought him to his senses, loss. Loss brought him to his senses. He had control over everything. He had all the money he thought he needed, right? But here's what happened. He ran out of money. He ran out of provision. He ran out of a future. Loss brought him to his senses. You know what else brought him to his senses? Pain. Loss and Pain. You know what else brought him to his senses? Loss, pain, and hunger. It says here, he was hungry and he wouldn't have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. Loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. Those four things brought him to his senses: loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. Sign me up, Jesus. Loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. Isn't it weird how loss, pain, hunger, and rejection are almost always the thing that bring us to a snap out of it moment? Loss, pain, hunger, and rejection almost always are the four things that show up that cause us to have a come to our senses moment. Think about the times in your life when you experience loss, pain, hunger, or rejection. You had those moments in life and you're just like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this thing. I don't know how we're gonna get that job and pay those bills. I don't know how we're gonna get through that medical crisis. I don't know how we're gonna get through that. Whatever issue going on, loss, pain, hunger, rejection. You find yourself in a jail cell wondering how in the world you got there because you're better than that. Loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. You find yourself with, uh, uh, in a compromising situation you never would have thought possible for you. In the middle of all that, you run the risk of loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. And you have that moment where you're like, never again, this eye-opening moment, this, I will never, I will always, I will never, and you get to the point where you're like, I will never be the same, I will always follow you, Jesus. I'll give you, you've to your senses moment in the middle of a jail cell. In the middle of your bedroom, sitting at your desk, working on your bills, I'll promise to tithe. God shows up after you do, and you're like, from now on, you come to your senses of loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. Funny, isn't it? We run from all that stuff, yet it's loss, pain, hunger, and rejection that brings us to our knees. It brings us to that place where we're like, okay, God, I want you now. I promise I want you now. I want you now. Sometimes I'm like, Jesus, I don't know what it's gonna take for the United States of America to come back to you. And I'm like, all I can tell you what's gonna take is gonna be loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. Yay. It's gonna be the point where we're gonna be like, okay, God, all we have is you. By the way, his loss, pain, hunger, and rejection came because he squandered all of his father's stuff. But it doesn't always happen that way. You don't always squander all your daddy's stuff and end up in loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. Sometimes you follow the rules. Sometimes you do everything right. And you still find yourself in the middle of loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. How do I know? Well, there's a story in the Bible that, um, of a man named Job. Any of you remember Job? Have you read chapter one of Job? If you read two chapters at all, read chapter one and chapter 42. Chapter one is Job was blessed by God. He had a bazillion this and a whole bunch of that and a lot of this and a lot of that. God really loved him. And then about that time, there's this crazy knock on the door of heaven. The devil says, yeah, you keep on blessing him. He's going to keep on loving you. But if you stop blessing him, he'll stop loving you. And God said, "Uh uh-uh. Actually, I think there was a conversation with the Godhead, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit just before the devil came knocking on the door. You know what I think it went like? It went like this. God in heaven's like, I love my servant Job. He worships me all the time. He tells it, he loves me. I love my servant Job. I think what happened was this. God's like, I wanna bless him with twice as much as he has now. I just wanna bless Job. But, he, but his chest is so small. Like there's no capacity for him to receive twice as much as he had before. What can I possibly do to give him twice what he had before? Ah, I'll use you to create capacity in my servant Job. What you got, devil? Well, you know what? Take all his goodies away and he'll curse you. Turn to chapter 42. By the way, all craziness breaks loose in that poor brother's life. You want to have a fun read? Read the book of Job. Get a cup of coffee or iced tea, a nice candle, bathtub, whatever you got, and just weep. Because you you think your life's bad? That'll help you out. You know what happened at the end of the book of Job, chapter 42? Job ends up with twice what he had from the beginning. He had 500 of this, now he has 1,000 of that. He had so many of this, now he has twice as many of that. So really, the book of Job is like, um, it's, you know what it really is? The book of Job is kind of like, uh, you could write a book on the book of Job, and here's what you would title it. How to get twice as much as you then than you started with. How many of you would buy that book? Like, we'd be like, I don't want that book. I don't wanna see that movie. I don't want nothing to do with that. Job incurred loss, pain, hunger, and rejection. You know what happened in the end? Job's capacity increased in his chest. And he experienced this crazy blessing of God because now he had the capacity. Some of you are following the rules. Some of you aren't running off like the younger brother. Some of you are like the step kid, I don't know Some of you are like a third brother and you're like, you're doing all the right things and your heart is even impure, but still craziness is ensuing in your life. And some of you have even said quietly or even out loud, God, come on now. Come on, Jesus, come on. If you don't understand that, then you've never experienced that. You know what I'm talking about. When you've done everything you know how to do the right way and then still it doesn't go the way you thought it would. And God says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna allow the pain in life to create capacity in your chest. And God's doing that in you right now. This is a moment that God wants to bring us all to our senses. What stands in the way of of coming to our senses? Pride. I love the fact that the younger brother came to a humble place and he said, hey, look, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And you know the story. The father ran a long way off and he saw his son and he brought him in. Can I tell you this? If you want to get through loss, pain, hunger, and rejection... The only way you'll do it is humility, humility, hum- humility. I don't know if any of you really understand that word, humility. It's a word that doesn't get spoken in America today. We're, we're the cancel culture. We're the we don't we don't sing the same song. We don't vote the same way. You must you must be out of my life for good. Culture. We're we're, we're the family line split here. Culture. Humility. Humility is that which brought the the, the father and the son back in the right relationship. You know what pride did? Pride was the older brother. What did the older brother do? Broke relationship. Some of us need a come to our senses moment where we simply say, Jesus, forgive me. I've sinned against both you and against heaven whether you followed the rules closely or whether you, like the younger brother, have been squandering your life away. I don't know where you are tonight. But I got a funny feeling that God in his infinite knowledge, God in his infinite ability brought you here for such a time as this. So I wanna pray with you tonight. And I wanna give you an opportunity to come to your senses. Luke 15, verse 17. Can we do that tonight? Father, this evening we come and we ask that you help us to come to our senses. God, for some, so hard to admit that the things we've been hanging on to that we believe so much in is really separating us and not unifying us. If that's you tonight, it's just between you and God. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I wanna be right before you. I wanna honor you with my heart. I wanna honor you with my life. I get to give an account for everything I say and do before heaven. And tonight is a moment that I wanna get right with you. Jesus, bring me to my senses. Come on, if you're brave enough, say that out loud. Jesus, bring me to my senses. Open my heart that I would be the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. Father, we're living in a confusing world, a confused time. We need you a bunch, Jesus. We need you a bunch, Lord. Would you help us tonight as we pursue you with all that we are? Jesus' name. You know those girls in that basketball game came back at halftime with fire in their eyes. They found true freedom. They couldn't find the true basket, but they found true freedom. We lost miserably. But they came to their senses. Tonight, will you come to yours?